Welcome to the Age of Autonomy podcast. My name is Albert Perez, your host for this show. Throughout this podcast, we will be diving in-depth into subjects discussed in the book, Crypto Asset Investing in the Age of Autonomy. You'll be able to learn from the author himself, Jake Ryan, as well as the CEO of Tradecraft Capital, James Diorio. Crypto assets for years have ebbed and flowed in news cycles, but as of late, they have caught worldwide attention. This podcast is for those looking to understand blockchain technology, cryptocurrency, and the role it is set to play in the world that we know. Each episode reflects a step in the journey of understanding crypto asset investing, so let's hop right into this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Age of Autonomy podcast. It is your host, Albert Perez. Uh, I'm here with Jake and James uh, as well. Um, this episode, we're going to go over the purpose of money, the function of money, um, and kind of just review and touch up on the basic aspects of what makes money, money. Um, so uh, real quick, we'll just kind of get right into it um, and, and kind of kick us off here, uh, Jake or James. Uh, just can can you describe what money is? What is the what is the purpose? What is just the basic function that it that it carries? Yeah, I mean, I'll start with that. The the you know, if you go back to kind of Adam Smith and his uh, concepts, the the main part uh, the function of money is to be a, a store of value, a unit of account, and a medium of exchange. And and one of the big things that it solves is uh, there's a problem called the double coincidence of wants. And you can think about it like if you have a cow and you want three chickens, well, without money, you have to go find somebody who has a cow and wants three chickens, right? So you, you have to find somebody who exactly meets up with what you want and need up to what they want and need. And that's extremely inefficient in an economy. So money provides this unit of account where the market can figure out or determine how much value each commodity or each thing is. And then it, it's the abstraction layer, right? It, it allows for uh, economic activity to happen without needing to, to have that extremely uh, inefficient way to barter. And so that that's really the main point. Yeah, and you know, following up on what Jake said, without it, without money, without some type of shared uh, exchange of value, the chance of that, you know, you have a cow finding someone with three chickens that wants what you want is very difficult. Your only option is to find someone who's got something that the, the person with the chickens wants that will take a cow for that thing. And the complexity of it just gets crazy. It just gets out of control. So, um, you know, it, it really is an intermediary that allows people to, to transact. When historically there's been, you know, different types of, I guess you could say money, you know, there's been shells, there's been coins there's been you know different materials um right now you know you have dollars and they're turning into digital i mean you could just it seems like you use i mean i guess anything as money as money as long as it has some sort of medium of, of exchange is that correct yeah i mean uh so money over time kind of has uh six characteristics that people have found you know it's durability portability, divisibility, uniformity, scarcity, and acceptability. And so mm. over time, people have tried many things. It could be shells, but perhaps those aren't very durable. 
it could be uh, oil or cows, but those end up getting consumed, right? And so uh, those lack durability or, or portability, um, you know, or yeah, like a cow, cows are not portable or and not divisible, right? You know, <laughs> so it's really hard to divide. And so over time, you know, with scarcity being the the primary function, metallic coins ended up being really the kind of the ultimate commodity that people could use as the form of money because they were the best at these six characteristics. And so, you know, gold and silver over time ended up being really the, the primary and dominant commodity for, for, for money. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if you've got something that's scarce, you know, it, it's, it's rare. Um, there's a limited amount of it and it's accepted by a lot of people. If you've got a lot of people that want something that naturally gives it value. I mean, think about if there's, you know, three, anything there's, there's, there's three statues and everyone thinks they're amazing and a thousand people want them. They have value or wine or anything that's like that. So likewise with, um, with money. Yeah. Well, I mean, this whole entire podcast, we've kind of just, been discussing you know what the what money's what money can be used for um but but what we don't think about a lot of times is you know money has different characteristics uh you know it, it could be very strong or it could be very weak um and 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 some call that sound money or some call that unsound money uh, i kind of want to dive into what those two definitions mean and, and kind of give some examples as to you know how do you distinct what is, or how, how do you, can you tell what money is sound and what money is unsound and, and stuff like that? Yeah, so economists, you know, uh, especially from the Austrian School of Economics, talk about sound money. Uh, sound money is uh, money that has been priced in the marketplace, in the free market, right? And so it's, there's no force used with sound money. It's that people all agree that something has value. Uh, what's interesting about that is then, yeah, there's no force or law. It, it just free market determines that. And so um, typically that's commodity based money. That is money that is an asset that people can use and a market determines its, uh, its value. That's distinct from uh, unsound money or uh, money that is typically created by sovereignty, by nations, and it's by decree or by fiat. Uh, and then most times the, the nation or the sovereign uh, really forces its use. They say, you know, you cannot use this, you must use this. Uh, and most fiat or most unsound money is built on credit, a credit system, meaning uh, uh, credit or borrowing is how you create money into existence. And so those are two very fundamental ways, differences in different ways to create a monetary system. Um, most of the time in history, it goes like this. They start with some sort of gold or silver based money that goes on pretty well. Then they either uh, use different alloys or they'll say, let's uh, use paper money because it's easier and we're gonna go ahead and make sure that there's a one-for-one -one exchange. You know, if you use this uh, bill, you can always exchange it for gold or silver. And then that goes on for a while. 
And then something happens where they want to say, okay, we're going to break the, the exchange. Now we're just going to be in by decree by fiat, this dollar bill has, you know, or bill has a value um, and it's not backed by anything. And that goes on for a while until the monetary system collapse collapses. And that's happened many, many times in history from, from Greece with Alexander the Great to Rome, to England, to the Netherlands, to France, uh, to the, you know, United States when before, you know, before we were a nation. And so it's happened many, many times in history. It's happened many times in modern history after World War II uh, with many countries. And so we've seen this uh, throughout history. So yeah, and, and it's, it's, you know, as simple as thinking of, it used to be when you had a dollar, it, there was something, Jake, you mentioned, you go and exchange that for gold. It was really representing a different asset. But now a dollar represents a dollar, represents a dollar, there's nothing behind it. Um, you know, you mentioned fiats by decree. The actual definition is a formal authorization or proposition, a decree, um, also an arbitrary order. So the dollars we have today, there's nothing behind them. And it's very different than a dollar a hundred years ago. Um, and it, it's, you know, an important distinction. We talked about, you know, last chapter, we talked about generational shifts. This is also a huge shift over the last few generations. Um, it may look the same, but it's sure not representing the same thing. Yeah, going, going off our, our own dollar right now, I do kind of want to break down like what characteristics do you see that are kind of worrying you guys uh, at the moment? Uh, you know, inflation is becoming more of a topic right now. Um, we're also in a, 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 a lot of debt as far as, you know, how, how do we pay that back? What effects does that have on all, our dollar as well? Uh, I just wanted to get y'all's opinion or just touch up on, you know, the current state of the U.S. dollar um, currently. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's see. So typically how what, what will happen is a, a currency you know will uh, start to get a lot of debt uh, and then you know what they want to do is to be able to pay back uh, that debt and or, you know through austerity or through other means uh, or, or they'll raise interest rates to to kind of curb uh, the economy if, if uh, inflation is getting out of control so over the last 40 years we've used you know credit as a short-term cycle uh, when uh, the economy gets rolling and uh, inflation starts to rise, we raise interest rates that calms or curbs economic and we may go into a recession, mild recession or keep going. This time around, we're in a little bit different of a situation because we have so much debt. You know, we're talking about over $28 trillion plus over $100 trillion in unfunded liabilities that if they raise the interest rates, we're starting to get to a point where just the interest payments we have to pay is getting close to a trillion dollars a year. And so if they up the interest rates, then we're, we're making our interest payments to a point where it's, you know, the biggest part of the entire uh, national budget. And, and so they're limited in how high they can raise interest rates. And so what are we going to do when inflation hits three, four, five, six, seven percent? You know, the normal tool of a central bank would be to raise interest rates, but there, there's no way we could raise it to five, six, seven percent because 
you know, our entire, the amount of money that we take in, you know, would have to pay for interest payments. And so we're in a quandary and what's going to happen when that happens. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. Um, you know, Jake, as you're saying that, I'm thinking it's the exact same problem that, that lots of humans have, right? They've, they've got credit cards, they're carrying them. All of a sudden they get through their promotional rate, it's up to 24% and all their money's being spent trying to just pay back you know, an interest rate. And um, the governments put themselves in that situation right now. And, and uh, it's a challenging one. You know, it's the same dilemma that, that a lot of human beings face every day. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to shamelessly plug our next episode because I don't want to get too into how this, uh, how, how the dollar, you know, gets to this certain point because uh, our next episode is all about, you know, how the fall of credit um, money and and if there's going to be multi-currencies or what that may look like or you know how bubbles form how downfall of uh, the dollar forms so just for everybody listening I am uh, 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 I would say just tune in if you guys are interested in what we're talking about now but I do kind of want to I guess foreshadow a little bit um, you know your book Jake is crypto asset investing in the age of autonomy we are talking about the dollar for a reason and in cryptocurrency as of right now is gaining a lot of steam gaining a lot of heat i do kind of want to touch up on you know what benefits that might actually add or or, or why is it gaining so much traction uh because of you know the dollar in in the current state that it's in or just various factors that are kind of going on right now uh within the global economy yeah well let's let's say if uh if we're in an unsound money period and we're using fiat currency and onto the market comes sound money, right? It has actual scarcity. It's being priced by the market and more and more places are starting to accept it. Uh, that becomes much more interesting because it's, it's a store of value and it's market-based. It's not forced. So what you're seeing is Bitcoin coming out and becoming very interesting to people as a check and balance or you know, another form of being able to store value if they think dollars are not going to hold value over time. And so we're seeing more and more acceptability happening with, with Bitcoin. I would say you can think of the US dollar as the ultimate in acceptability, but probably not the best in, at all in scarcity. And Bitcoin being really great in scarcity and really growing in its acceptability. And so the question will become, you know, which one can do which faster? And so, you know, does the dollar um, and its lack of scarcity fall in value faster or does Bitcoin and its acceptability rise? You know, we'll have to see. But Bitcoin is becoming interesting because it does have scarcity, which fiat currency does not. Yeah, it, it, it solves a problem that you know, if, if we could all walk over to Starbucks with, with a, a lump of gold and shave off a sliver and have it accepted, that would be great. I think people would love to use gold, right? The gold <laughs> is hard to use. It's not very portable. It's, it's hard to send. I can't send it in the mail to someone, right? I, 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 you know, I'd have to have a very special kind of backpack to carry it. Um, Bitcoin solves all those problems. So it takes the best things about sound money and makes it easy to use. Um, and again, the challenge with that is it's just it's a, it's a new way to think. How could that actually be? Um, but it's a, it's a big part to understanding the things that Jake's unpacked here about how sound money works um, and that scarcity concept.
right? Remember, the dollar was originally supposed to represent something. It doesn't anymore. It's just by decree. So we have to think differently. Do you think it's inevitable that we're, I mean, just the world as it is right now, I mean, we were really switching into a digital type of world. Um, you know, at first we had cash and coins are even starting to become less of a thing. We currently have a, a coin shortage right now. Um, I mean, how, how realistic or how fast do you think it is that we are going to make a, a switch to a completely digital world with, you know, uh, digital money? Well, I think it's extremely important that we, that we watch that because... Uh, right now, we don't have digital money. It's not e-cash. It's not like a $20 bill where I can spend it anywhere and my privacy is kept, right? Mm -hmm. With a $20 bill, if I go to a store and spend it, there is no history attached to that dollar. And, you know, um, right now, it's very concerning that most of our spending on credit cards is, is tracked and, and all of the data that comes with that. And so I do think it's important for us to consider as a society, how do we get back to fungible money where we're not being tracked and surveilled and our privacy being uh, taken? Because really bad things can happen later if we don't have privacy. And so uh, that's just something that we're all looking for. I think we're seeing it around the world with, it could be from the market with Bitcoin or with sovereign nations look at, looking at central bank digital currencies and depending on what kind of values are important to them. In China, they have a CDBC that they want to track everybody and have social scores and, and do all that. We need to be concerned here about a, a digital dollar. Like, are we going to have privacy and is it going to, really act like cash. And so all of these are in the, you know, envisioning phase and it's stuff that we need to discuss, you know, societally. Yeah, look, look this opens up a whole can of worms. We could probably take take the next, uh, it's time to dive into the rest of the book, probably take the next five hours and go into this. But, um, <laughs> you know, really the, the key thing to look at here is digital currencies may look like you know, um, cryptocurrencies, but they're, they're very, very distinct. The technology underneath it is very, very distinct. And I know we're going to unpack that in future chapters, um, but it's, it's important, I think, for people to really understand and get educated on that. Because as we see from a dollar, a dollar now isn't backed by gold. A dollar then used to be backed by gold. Just because it looks the same doesn't mean it's the same thing. So understanding these distinctions are really important. And the people that really understand these distinctions are the ones that are actually able to capitalize on this next, um, really this next wealth generation opportunity. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's super interesting. Uh, I mean, just to think about, cause I mean, you're right. I'm, uh, with, with digital money, you don't really have that, that sort of, I guess, anonymous or that, that uh, form where you're not being tracked. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to kind of just cut it off here because otherwise I don't want to, seep too much into our next episode. Um, but this is definitely something that you guys uh, are going to want to keep on listening to. Our next episode is the fall of credit money and the rise of multi-currency. So we're going to kind of dive into, you know, exactly how uh, uh, forms of money get bubbles and how they, you know, uh, have that downfall and you know, whether we are looking at a multi-currency sort of world. But overall, um, uh, I, I hope everybody learned a lot this episode, the purpose of money, the function of money, what money even is, because we don't think about it um, as much as we uh, 
should I, I feel. Um, and, and yeah, so, uh, looking forward to, to getting on the next episode, uh, James, Jake, thank you guys very much. All right. Thanks, Albert. Thanks for listening. If you learned something new, leave a review. We'd love to get feedback in order to make this show better for every listener. If you want to dive more into the subject we just spoke about in today's episode, click the link in the show notes to order crypto asset investing in the age of autonomy. As well, you can get to know Jake and James better by reading their bios in the show notes below. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you again next time on the Age of Autonomy podcast.